Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. Don't mindlessly eat, whether it's a meal, whether it's a snack. If you're opening up a bag of chips, which would be calorie dense, and you sit on the couch, you're going to kill the bag. I'm Delia Cologne, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. If your go-to snack comes in a crinkly bag, then it is time for a glow-up. Today, we've got dozens of ideas for snacks that are healthy, actually taste good, and can even help you beat the Florida heat. Please tell me I am not the only person who's been stuck in a rut for the past year and some change. Same view, same routine, same sweatpants. I've even been eating the same afternoon snack. Apple slices with peanut butter and air-popped popcorn. Not bad, but it's time to switch things up. So I'm glad to have as our guest today two family and consumer sciences agents from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences. Kimberly Bragg Armatrout is with UF IFAS Extension Hillsborough County, and Sherry Brezen is with UF IFAS Extension Pasco County. They've got lots of snack ideas to get us out of a rut, including snacks that are healthy, kid-friendly, and perfect for Florida's hotter months. I just gave my kid a snack, basically to keep him quiet during this conversation, but I know that that's not the only purpose of snacks. So why is snacking important for all of us? This is Sherry. So basically, snacking is important and it really depends on your meals. So if you're eating something small or something isn't very filling to begin with, then it may not hold you over to your next meal. So having that snack is going to keep you satisfied in the meantime, which will then prevent you from overeating at your next meal, which can lead to excess calorie consumption. Now, however, that snack itself should not lead to excess calorie consumption. So you want to make sure that you're eating something nutrient-dense, not calorie-dense. A nutrient-dense food will nourish us, give us lots of nutritional value while low in calories. And the calorie-dense foods are higher in calories, yet provide little to low nutrition. So meal planning should have also some snack planning in it and should focus on those nutrient-dense foods. And if something has a long list of ingredients, it's probably highly processed and doesn't have much nutrition. So focus on foods that are in their natural state and have minimal ingredients. Think an apple versus a slice of apple pie. Well, that's no fun. (laughs) I actually just gave my son some apples right now. Every afternoon at at like 3.30, we have um, apple slices, peanut butter, and popcorn. That's like our little go-to snack. Kimberly, is there anything you would add to that? Why is snacking important? And do you have any general tips for how to make snacking healthier? I think Sherry did a really good job in um, letting you know that it's really important to add that into your meal plan. I think that's one of the things that people tend to forget more often is that 
snacking should be part of the meal plan. You have your meals, but if you don't plan your snacks, you tend to run to the nearest thing in your refrigerator or cabinet, and that's when you'll um, snack unhealthy. So I think it's really important to put that in part of your meal plan, like Sherry had mentioned. Uh, but also, when you're thinking of a snack and you're thinking of your meal planning, it should incorporate you know, some of your macronutrients. So it shouldn't just be popcorn by itself. It should have more of the macronutrients like the high protein or the fiber, also some of the carbohydrates and fats. It should have a little bit of everything. So at least they say two out of three of the macronutrients, which is um, protein, carbohydrates, and fats. So when you have maybe like the apple slices, you incorporate they incorporate that with peanut butter and then maybe, you know, some kind of uh, pita bread or something like that to kind of incorporate more than just one thing. They also say to use the my plate rule, which is the two out of five food groups. So you can also look at it that way too. So out of the five food groups, you know, pick two of them to use for your healthy snack as well. That's a great guideline. Sherry, you were kind of a buzzkill by telling us apple pie is not a good snack. What are some examples of healthy, balanced snacks that actually taste good and are filling? So I'm sorry if I ruined your day. I know um, no one likes to hear that. But really, when you think about it, just healthier snacks that are going to taste good and are also filling, the key would be protein and fiber. Those give us a feeling of fullness. So a snack that has either or even both will be very filling and satisfying. And a lot of us think of meat when we think of something that's high in protein, but there's plenty of plant-based proteins like nuts, seeds, beans, peanut butter, and even fruits and vegetables will have protein. So all these would be sources of protein for the plant-based options. So an example of a filling snack with these examples, so apple slices would have fiber, and then you can put peanut butter for the protein or a plain flavored yogurt mixed with fresh fruit. So the fruit's gonna have the fiber, the yogurt's gonna have the protein. You can even just try a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with whole wheat bread, mix nuts with dried fruits, dipping baby carrots and hummus. If you wanted to have a animal-based protein in your snack, you can do little slices of cucumbers with um, little pieces of turkey in between, make little cucumber sandwiches with turkey and maybe some cheese. Just don't go overboard on the amounts. You want to pre-portion the amount you're going to snack on so you don't overeat. The point of the snack is to keep you satisfied in between meals, not replace your meals. Yeah, like a bell went off in my head when you said peanut butter and jelly, because I'm like, ooh, that's who doesn't love a comforting PB&J? But I could see that very quickly getting calorie dense. And I think I even read or heard that LeBron James eats a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like before a game or at halftime. And we're not at that level. We should not be taking in LeBron James levels of calories. So is there a specific calorie target that we should be aiming for? I don't know if you get into that. And obviously people have different health goals. But what's the big difference in terms of quantity of a snack versus a meal? That's a good question because everyone's calorie levels differ. So even a husband and wife, they're both 30 years old and they both work out the same amount of times per week and they're both, you know, the same fitness level. Even that alone, just the gender differences are going to give them a different calorie level. So it's really hard to say what calories 
intake one should get because it does differ on your activity level, your age, your gender, right? Because we see all the time throughout our college years and then right after college that some people start seeing that waking because we're still eating like we're 18 years old and we can get away with having McDonald's, you know, eight times a week and we can't do that anymore as we get older. Is that... <laughs> Is that true to life? Is this autobiographical? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it can be. <laughs> so you want to definitely be mindful because, the, again, the calorie levels very easy to go a little overboard on. And that's why you want to be very mindful with your snacking. You want to pre-portion it out. Don't mindlessly eat, whether it's a meal, whether it's a snack. If you're opening up a bag of chips, which would be calorie dense, and you sit on the couch, you're going to kill the bag. A lot of people do that, and they think, oh, my gosh, how did I finish this whole bag? And you just don't know. Just that motion of putting your hand in the bag, that repetitive motion and watching your shows, you don't even realize it. That right there could replace a meal, and then you gave yourself no nutrition because you didn't really get anything out of the chips. So really, you want to be mindful. Also, be aware that it can take 20 minutes to feel full. So don't go for seconds or thirds right away. Just have a few bites of something. So if you were to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, just try half and see if that's all you really needed. That'll give your brain and stomach time to communicate that feeling of fullness. That's a good point. Kimberly, any other suggestions for healthy snacks that are filling and taste good? I like to snack on a hard-boiled egg and some seeds or nuts with that, and then maybe some kind of a bread of some sort of pita chip or something like that. So um, yeah, you can really be creative. I didn't know how easy it was until I started planning um, that you can be really creative with your snacks, and, it, and they can actually be really fun, especially when you have kids. Um, it's important to make them snack more fun because they want to eat something that's enjoyable. Yeah. Do either of you have suggestions? I've got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old in the next room. You maybe can even hear them. And it's true. They want to have fun with their food, but so do we. I'm 38 and I want to eat something that looks pretty and is crunchy and fun to enjoy. So any snacks, particularly for kids or just kids at heart? My son, you know, likes the hard-boiled eggs. He's really fond of those. That's something quickly he can grab and take with him on the way out. Um, so he really enjoys that. But I know the color really makes a difference, too. When he was little, I used to use food coloring to add color to certain things just to make it fun. So he really enjoyed the different colors. So I think that, you know, you can do so many things. You know, you always talk here about the ants on the log and the peanut butter celery with the raisins on it. Things like that are really fun. So when, uh, even like dipping, anything that dips, kids love to dip. So if you're, you know, got anything to dip, they'll tend to really enjoy that as well. This is Sherry. I'll just add real quick too. If you can have your kids involved in the meal planning, the grocery shopping, the meal prepping, they're more likely to be on board with trying the healthier foods too. So if they're picky or you can't get them to eat healthy stuff, it might just take several attempts of putting it in front of them. But over time, they'll come around and give it a try. So that would be a, another tip with little kids. If you're trying to give them healthy snacks throughout the day, just get them more involved with the food itself. Oh, that's great. And it probably helps to set a good example. I know that's super basic, but if I'm eating chips, my kids aren't going to want ants on a log. They're going to want chips. So I guess we have to practice what we preach. Okay. It is Florida. It is hot. Any suggestions? Okay. I moved here from Ohio in 2005 and it was summertime and it was so hot. And I thought, 
I'm never eating again. I'm just gonna drink smoothies for the rest of my life because it's too hot to eat. So are there any tips for snacking better in the Florida heat? Obviously we still need to be nourished. Otherwise at night when it's cooler, we just gorge like cookie monster. Go ahead, Jerry. So just now that we're getting in the warmer months, of course, we're going to start seeing more beach days and pool parties and grilling. So we'll see more outdoor snacking with that as well. So really, when it comes to the hot weather, the cold snacks are going to rule, right? So think fruit salad, vegetables with dips, fruit and cheese kebabs, pasta salad, tuna salad, hard-boiled egg slices that were chilled, and you can top it with some salsa or sliced cucumbers, even sub-sandwiches those little quarter slice sizes those can make a snack or even a little piece of a wrap chilled bean dip black bean salad with whole wheat chips all of these again just think what can be cold beforehand because that will feel the most refreshing in the hot weather i was just going to say this is kim and uh, one of my my children's favorite things to eat during the summer is watermelon Uh, it's very refreshing you know it's got all that water in it which helps you keep hydrated so that's one of their favorite snacks and i think that's a really good one if you can get your children especially when they're outside swimming outdoors things like that picnics so um, that's a really good one there's lots of other uh, vegetables that grow in the summer as well like tomatoes and mangoes um, those are nice ones too with lots of you know the fluid like sherry said something that's cold something that's got a little more fluid intake in there so i think it's important that we try to incorporate those fresh fruits and vegetables in there as well okay as we talk about eating outdoors at barbecues the beach you know baseball games and things like that we got to talk about food safety because some of the things you mentioned i'm thinking about the eggs and the tuna salad those can those can go ugly those can turn against us pretty quickly so what's your advice for keeping food safe to eat outdoors this is sherry that's a great question and it's not the most fun to think of when we were talking about planning our pool parties and barbecues but it is so important because believe it or not foodborne illness rates go up in the summer and they believe that it is you know because of all our outdoor eating and then the hotter weather on top of that so you want to think of food that's potentially hazardous so think of foods with water levels you know, mainly our fruits and vegetables, but also our meats, our dairy products. Um, These can all become unsafe if left outside without temperature control for too long. So normally you don't want food to sit out for longer than two hours, but on those really hot days when it's over 90, which it can be pretty common in Florida, we're seeing 90 plus degrees, then the food should not sit out for more than one hour. And that's just because the bacteria levels grow so rapidly that even if you were to cook it off, it would be at too high of a level that it would still give you a foodborne illness. So when you're barbecuing or doing a buffet style meal at your pool party or doing a potluck, just make sure you're consuming that food in two hours or even one if it's over 90 degrees. Just don't let it sit on the table. So that's where having a cooler would come in. The cooler will help you, you know, avoid the food waste, keep everything in the cooler, and just make sure the cooler itself does not go over 40 degrees. Which foods would be the biggest risk something like potato salad? Sure, yeah. Again, think of things that need refrigeration. So potato salad, tuna salad, you know, things with meat, things with dairy, even our plant-based proteins like a bean dip, a salad, all that stuff would quickly 
you know, grow in pathogens if left outside of refrigeration. So you just want to be mindful. Again, have your ice packs, your coolers. It's just going to take some extra steps in planning if you're going to be having food. But then, of course, if you don't want to take those extra steps, <laughs> you can just do foods that don't require refrigeration. So pack something easy to transport like trail mix, pumpkin seeds, popcorn, peanut butter on crackers. You know, those would be much easier to transport and then minimizing the risk for foodborne illness, of course. Oh, and those are great to pack in like a purse, backpack, briefcase, anything where you might find yourself without food. I used to drive, you guys are in Pasco County and Hillsborough. So Kimberly, you're in Hillsborough. So maybe you know about getting stuck on the Howard Franklin Bridge. I used to drive <laughs> across that bridge every day and I started keeping trail mix in my car for that very reason <laughs> because it's like a shelf-stable snack that I could have. What if it's just so hot that we don't feel like eating at all? That's a good one to touch on too. This is Sherry. So digestion, the very act of digesting food creates heat. And that does not sound appealing to our bodies when it's so hot outside. So it's normal that we don't feel hungry. And on top of that, the hypothalamus, which controls hunger, also regulates our body temperature. So it's so focused on cooling us off that we're probably not going to feel hungry. However, if we're outside, if we've been sweating, we do want to make sure we're staying hydrated, we're replenishing electrolytes. So you don't have to force yourself to eat a heavy meal. Just eating small or snack-sized portions of hydrating and refreshing food like a fruit salad, pasta salad, or cold vegetables can keep your body in balance. And you can also just try drinking your calories. You know, have a healthy drink, not something like a soda, but a fruit smoothie or a protein shake or even just flavored water. These are great tips. I feel like you guys have given enough snack suggestions that I could almost make a calendar like my son's preschool would do and have a different snack every day for 30 days. And that would be so much fun to know what's going to be the snack on Thursday. All right. I know a lot of people are, are still buying groceries remotely through an app, including myself. But what are some tips for navigating either in person or virtually grocery stores to be a smart snacker. They always put the chips on the end cap. It's like they know, they know what our kryptonite is, whatever it is, Nutella. I mean, this is getting a little too personal now, but how do we avoid those danger zones and shop in a way that is economical, steers clear of the quote unquote health foods that really aren't so healthy? How do we make those good snack choices when we're in the grocery store? Well, you have, this is Kim, you have hit on my favorite subject. I am at the grocery store at least every other day, if not every day. I talk about it a lot um, in my classes uh, with people who are going grocery shopping who have the same issues. The grocery store, you walk right in, they have the sale items right there, and they're usually the ones that are unhealthy, right? So you do have to navigate. So my th my biggest thing is first, don't go hungry, which you know we've been taught for a long time. And second of all is to make sure you have that list in hand. That list is going to get you through that grocery store without trying to buy a lot of extra things that you don't need. So you're not going hungry and having that list are your number one things to have in, on, on hand. The other thing is to make sure that you're going on the outside of the aisles. You know, they say to shop the perimeter. 
Um, there's lots of healthy things on the outside of the grocery store, on the perimeter aisles, the dairy, the produce, the protein, things like that. But we tend to forget that, wow, there's the deli and the bakery on those, uh, that perimeter as well. So when you kind of go through those, what I say is you have to know your triggers. You have to know when to go grocery shopping. Sometimes um, my trigger is bakery goods. I love the smell of bread. I love the smell of pastries. So I can't shop in the morning because if I go in the morning, that's the first thing that they're starting to cook and uh, make and they're baking all that wonderful stuff. So I um, tend to stay away from the grocery stores at that time. So knowing what triggers you to buy those things that are unhealthy is really important. You know, I, I tell people, know what, what entices you. Um, some people, it's the afternoon. They like the smell of the fried chicken or the rotisserie chickens and you know, all that stuff that they're making in the afternoon. So again, if that's your trigger, then you might want to avoid the grocery store at that time or those, those peak hours when they're making those things. Because the grocery store knows those smells are what's going to keep you coming. And they're the, those smells are what's going to get you to buy. The other thing is to read labels. Um, that's another really, really important uh, tool. Um, know what you're eating. Uh, flip that package over. Don't go based on what they put on the outside of the package or the front of the package because that's not necessarily true. Uh, make sure that you understand how to read the new food labels and you're getting the education that you need to be able to navigate that food label to make sure you're buying healthy as well. Oh, I'm definitely with you. I'm a bakery person. I didn't think about all those wonderful smells. I'm like a cartoon character just like wafting along with all those great scents. With all those great scents, my dog is barking. Sherry, do you have anything to add? This has been great. Yeah, I'll just touch on what Kim was saying about looking at the label. You know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, something that's minimally processed, very few ingredients. So really looking at not just the front of the package, because again, a lot of that can be marketing, but really look at the ingredients and also that food label. And they say to go by the 520 rule. So that says that if something's 5% or less on a label, then it's considered low. And if something's 20% or more, then it's considered high. So that rule is both good or bad, depending on what you're looking at. 20% fiber is great. But something that's 20% sodium, you don't want to put in your shopping cart. It's not healthy at all. So really look at that label, see what the ingredients are, what nutrition is at 20% or more, what's at 5% or less. Um, again, because anything like our, our fats or sodium, uh, we want to make sure that we're not intaking too much of that. So look for 5% or low, and then 20% or more on the nutrients. So Again, just looking at the label. Sugar does not have a percent, so just want to put that out there. There's no recommendation that's been set up for sugar, so you won't see a percentage for that. But just go as low as you can when it comes to sugar. Oh, these all sound like such great tips in a perfect world <laughs> full of magical unicorns. I got to ask you, though, as a busy parent, how realistic is it for me to achieve all of this, to, to go through the aisles in the way that you're suggesting when I'm planning my grocery trips around, you know, t-ball practice and when school gets out and I'm not always in control of what my kids are eating. Like, should I put a lock on the pantry? How can, how can families and just busy people in general show themselves some grace while still striving to eat healthier and snack healthier? This is Kim. I have two children myself and, um, you know, I'm a busy mom. I try to buy as 
as least amount of unhealthy things that I can. Try to keep the things ready available. So have those carrots already cut up, ready to eat. Have the dip already ready, especially for small children. They can go in the refrigerator and grab that dip or they can grab those carrots, things like that. So having things ready available for them to be able to reach in and grab, because if you don't have something healthy, they're gonna look for the things that are easier to grab, which is the chips and the popcorn and things that might be less healthy. So just, I think that it's realistic. You might not be able to sit down with a piece of paper and do your 30 day calendar like you're talking about, but you can do at least plan a couple days ahead. Like I'm gonna buy these carrots, I'm gonna buy this celery, and I'm gonna have these things ready in the refrigerator for my children to be able to grab and go. That's a good point. You can't eat it if it's not in the house. <laughs> they can't eat it if it's not in the house. I do have a drawer. The bottom drawer of the fridge for my kids is full of, you know, their cheese sticks and yogurts and carrots and strawberries and all that stuff so that hopefully they can reach it. Well, Sherry and Kim, this has been really educational and inspirational. Is there anything else you want to add to help us snack smarter? This is Sherry. I'll just say it's totally doable. We are so used to thinking that our go-to snack should be, you know, a bunch of cookies or chips, just anything out of a crinkly package, but it doesn't have to be like that. There's plenty of filling snacks that are also really healthy and yield a lot of nutritional value. And again, don't bring it into the house. So there, there's no temptation. Just if you can't pronounce some of those ingredients, it's probably not good for you and don't bring it into the house. Yeah. The other thing is getting everybody involved like Sherry said earlier too it's really important I'm, I'm getting my children more involved in cooking and now they're picking healthier things they really enjoy um, they're experimenting more being creative having fun in the kitchen teaching children from a small age that it's a fun thing to do it's definitely enjoyable and, and you could be as creative as you would like to be I feel like I can do this you know it's not super expensive it's not time-consuming my family's not gonna rebel so I appreciate all of these tips I really do <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. I'm going to go grab a snack. Kimberly Bragg Armitrout and Sherry Bresen are family and consumer sciences agents at UF IFAS Extensions, Hillsborough County and Pasco County, respectively. And we would love to see what you're snacking on. Take a picture and tag us on Facebook or Instagram at The Zest Podcast. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with help from Cheyenne Jaglau and Mark Hayes. Copyright 2021, WUSF Public Media.